Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick alongside Matt Ferreira. Matt, how are you doing today? I am doing amazing, Owen. Happy to be here. Yeah, we are both very happy to be here. Her recording on Friday morning, the 23rd, as we are continuing to edge our way into Futures League baseball season here. We're almost at July, which is insane. Little standings update for you here. The Mott Lake Monsters are in first place at 18 and 7, followed by the Worcester Bravehearts at 16 and 8. The New Britain Bees and Norwich Sea Unicorns round out the playoff picture at the moment. Westfield not far behind, though, just a half game behind Norwich. And then Pittsfield, Nashua, and Brogdon at the bottom. Nashua playing very well as of late. So we'll see who can climb up the standings here in the next couple of weeks. Matt, who is playing well around the Futures League? Yeah, we had Tyler Bastunas in Worcester. He continues to hit. He's still hitting over 400 on the season. In Nashua, Shane Walkley has been on fire as of late. He's now tied for the lead league in home runs with four, adding a couple of doubles to his name as well, and has seven on the season. Pitching-wise, another name out in Worcester, Clay Robbins has been exceptional with a 270 ERA. And, well, Owen, our player and pitcher of the week, would you like to... Yes, I would, Matt. Thank you very much for that wonderful transition. Matt just mentioned Shane Walkley of the Nashua Silver Knights, who had a great week. He earned himself player of the week, hitting going 8 for 17 with a 471 average, three doubles, three home runs, 10 RBIs for Shane. Congratulations. And our pitcher of the week is Jared Curian, who you guys are going to be very familiar with here in a couple minutes. He had a no-hitter on Father's Day, seven innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, Six Ks, one walk away from perfection. He is our guest this week on the podcast from the New Britain Bees. Matt, it was great to hear from Jared this week. Yeah, it was amazing to hear from him. It's always fun to see what's happening on the inside of the team when a no-hitter is happening. So it's great to see his insight and what happened in his experience. Yeah, we dive into that no-hitter pretty extensively here for the first part of the podcast, so be sure to tune in for that uh, please also don't forget to sign up for the FCBL Network. Week pass is 10, month pass is 30, full season pass at $99. You don't want to miss that. Continue to dig in for Pete. We've got that link in our caption. Matt, I know you went to a couple games this week. It was great for me to be back on the field in, in Holman Stadium this week. And it's just great to have Futures League Baseball back and in full swing here as we head towards July. Yeah, it's amazing to be back on the field. Hopefully the rain will stop a little bit so we can fit some more games in, but it's been fun to be back on a diamond. Yeah, a lot of postponements, but stay with us here. There's going to be plenty of doubleheaders and plenty of fun action for the rest of the season. Matt, I don't know about you, but that's all I got, and it's time, I think, for us to hear from Jared Curry, and what do you think? I think it's time. I think it's time. Jared Curry of the New Britain Bees is our guest this week. Let's take you to that interview right now. We are honored to welcome our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is currently with the New Britain Bees and was recently named our Pitcher of the Week after a special accomplishment uh, last Sunday, which we'll get to in a minute. It's Jared Curry. And Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be here, ready to go. Yeah, of course, man. And we're excited to have you. And I mentioned it. We could ask many questions to lead off, but we will start with a no-hitter. You had it this past Sunday on Father's Day. It was a beautiful day in New Britain. You came in dominated and got the no hitter and the win for the bees what did it mean to get that no hitter i mean it was amazing uh especially on father's day both my my fathers were there so my dad and my grandpa 
So it was amazing seeing them there and doing it for them on a special day was incredible. Something we're never going to forget. Yeah. And you said it, that had to mean a lot on father's day, especially, which I'm sure that your dad and grandfather have done a lot for you baseball wise. So to do it in front of them, that must've been fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was the first no hitter in the history of the bees organization. What does that mean to you that your name is now edged in history forever as a new Britain B? I mean, it's incredible. Like I didn't, I, I knew like, I was going to have a good game uh, going into like the fifth and I have no hits already. I was like, okay, like we're doing something here, but I wasn't really like expecting to throw a complete game, no hitter. Like I didn't think the game was going to end in the seventh inning. I was told I wasn't going back out for the eighth inning because of the league pitch count rules. So the only way that it would have, I would have gotten it was with a mercy rule. And that's what my, my teammates did. So props to them getting all those runs for me. So that's huge. So <laughs> shout out to them. So is that when you, you said you found out in like the fifth inning that you, you were headed for a no hitter? Well, I I'd actually known earlier on, like, like really early on, like second and third inning. Like I was like, dang, still haven't given up a hit, but by the fifth inning, I was like, all right, I can actually do this. Cause every single time I pitch, I think about it. Like, I'm like, Oh dang, I didn't give up a hit in the first inning. Like we got a no, no. Um, obviously I'm always trying to throw no hitter, but, uh, I realized like I was actually like feeling good and confident facing the bottom of the order in the fifth inning. I'm like, all right, we got something going here. So, and you talked about how in the fifth inning, that's when you really started to kick in like that. I could do this. How much yeah. stress is there getting three outs every inning going through knowing to try and keep it going? Honestly, like there's there's some stress but at the same time like I know I, I just had to stay focused like the stress for me like I guess it wasn't that much because I if I gave up a hit we were still winning eight nothing you know what I mean so like we were still gonna win the game uh no matter what obviously it's cool to get like a no hitter personal accomplishment but I really just wanted to win the team win for the team so that's what we did. <laughs> it was good. So, yeah. And what was it like in the dugout? Was everybody leaving you alone, like keeping their distance, or was everyone acting normal? Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there was a couple guys like still talking to me. I don't like to just like sit in my own corner all the time. Like sometimes I'll have conversations in the dugout. I like to talk to Givens or Given, uh, my catcher, because I wanted to go over game plans and like attack strategies, but. Like I had Gavin Gregor next to me basically the whole game talking to me, uh, chopping it up, keeping me calm and locked in. So having those little conversations, I feel like keeps it casual, makes the stress and anxiety go away. So makes it a lot easier like that. So that's what, that's what I did. And from the first three, uh, from the last three outs to the first three outs, in the first inning, you had one walk on the day, which would – Looked insignificant at the time, but it ended up being your only blemish on the day. Yeah. Looking back, were you mad or angry at all about how close you came to perfection? <laughs> Honestly, it like it sucks, but uh, in the I, I threw a no hitter in the past too, where I walked one kid, 
and this was like a while ago. This was like a couple years ago, and it, it is what it is. I mean, I threw I threw I threw no hitter, so it was fine. But I felt like I got squeezed on a couple calls in that at bat. But it is what it is. Honestly, I don't I don't really care to be honest. And you mentioned it. That was going to be our next question. Was this is your second no hitter for the Madison Legion? What what is your mentality throughout? like a game that you're throwing a no hitter and are you thinking about it throughout the entire time? Um, yes, weirdly I am thinking about it the entire time. <laughs> um, but my mentality is just to not lose focus now. Like I get an out, stay locked in, uh, keep doing my game plan, just throw, execute my pitches. And if they haven't gotten a hit yet, they probably won't if I execute again, you know what I mean? So I just gotta keep doing what I do and then, Stay focused, I'd say. But yeah, you clearly you're just a man of no hitters after throwing one in Madison <laughs> Legion and now with the New Britain Bees. It's if you're thinking about it that much, it's gotta happen a few times. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, maybe we'll get another one this season. We'll see. <laughs> and I have to ask, where is the ball from the final out of the no hitter? I got it right here. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there it is. No hitter, six eighteen <laughs> futures league ball. Love it. So yeah, <laughs> That's and awesome. I also got this. Uh, coach gave me this lineup card from the day. Nice. So we got like the box score at the bottom, and then like the boys right here. I got to give a few shout outs here. So obviously my outfielders did a few made a few nice plays for me, but Petty over at second base made a bunch of ground ball outs. I uh, was locked down over there. Freddie with that huge play in the seventh inning with the tag. Dog. Aiden Kohal just rakes all the time. Uh, Bryce, just a beast at third. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Brady Short, he um, he made like six plays for me that were like difficult, and he threw like strong arm all the way to first. And there was a few close plays, but if it weren't for him, they would be – They'd be hits. You got Einemann, bare hand play in the seventh inning. It's my boy right there. <laughs> um, given obviously, catcher, beast. Um, Wawa, just a beast. <laughs> and yeah, so those were like the biggest shout out I wanted to say was like uh, the play from Einemann and, and Forgione in the seventh inning. That like. It was stressful. It was tense in the moment there. They called him safe. And then uh, I was, the second they did that, I, I like knew I pointed at the home plate umpire. I'm like, tell him, tell him. Because I knew he knew it was safe or he was out. So uh, just gave, they did a little conference there. And I was standing next to Freddie. I'm like, nice tag, nice tag. And then they called him out. And I was like, let's go. And it was like a really exciting moment for me. So just wanted to share that on there. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, all those guys deserve all the praise in the world for helping you get that no-hitter for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they are a group of gods, and I'm glad that I'm on the same team as them because I wouldn't want to play against them. For sure. And that no-hitter earned yourself Futures League Pitcher of the Week honors. What did that mean to you? Yeah, that's, like, really exciting because, like, I, I never – like, at school I was always trying to get – pitcher of the week um at the d3 level 
and I never got it because I didn't have like a good outing as good at an outing as that. So finally getting some award was, was pretty cool. It felt good. So I'm glad about that. I'm happy about that. So, yeah. <laughs> and opening it up even broader, you have established yourself here early in New Britain and in the Futures League being 2-0 and with a one eight nine ERA. What does it mean to come into the league and dominate right out of the gate? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I don't normally start off this hot, but I did have a bad outing against Norwich, but I changed my preparation the next week. I uh, put on some weight, lifted some weights as well, and uh, I just came back out prepared for the next two outings, and it definitely paid off. Like, I'm looking forward to – I'm trying to see if I could stay – stay on this pace through the whole season. I know it's a long season, but it's not something I don't normally start out this hot. So I want to see if I can continue that for the rest of the season. That'd be sweet. And is there any advice you've gotten from your teammates or coaches that have contributed to your early success? Um, yeah, I mean, they're always just like supportive of me. Uh, I got my, my pitching coach, uh, He's always just like cracking jokes out there in the pen. Just keeping it light, I would say. Like all my teammates just keep it casual, keep it fun. Not really any specific advice. It's just like the environment that they create around me just makes it so much easier to go out there and be myself. And I know it makes it easy for them as well. Like it's it's just a great environment here on the bees and I love it. I love it there. So hold on, we'll get right back to back to the futures. But first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities, so let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And we mentioned your coaches. One of them, obviously, is your head coach, Matt Gedman, who is a veteran of the Futures League, having coached for multiple teams. What is the biggest advice that he's given you and taught you about the game and about uh, the Futures League culture? Tough question. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say there's any like advice. I I would say it's more like just, he's honestly been like a brother already. He's just a funny guy. I mean, I don't go to every single game, but when I am there, I feel welcomed in by him. And it's actually funny. Like he sent me a, do you know who Frank the Tank is from Barstool? It's like yeah. the, the Mets guy. Yeah. He sent me a, a cameo video of Frank the tank saying like, Jared, congrats on your no hitter. Like, and he was swearing a whole bunch, but it was like a funny video. 
and it made me feel good. Matt sent me that, um, and Brad, the GM, paid for that. But it was just a nice little, like, gesture to just make me feel good. And uh, so basically what my point is is that the Bees coaches and uh, managers are family here, and I absolutely love it. Uh, they've welcomed me in here with open hearts, and uh, it's been a great experience so far. So I'd say – I'd say I'd say that would be the best advice, I guess. And we'd love to see you keep all of that rolling. And you yourself, you are from Madison, Connecticut, and you're getting the chance this summer to play with a hometown organiz- organization like the Bees. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I went to a Bees game last year um, just to watch because I had a bunch of friends on the team, but like you said, it's not far from where I live. So it's just cool to go to the ballpark, enjoy some hot dogs and watch a baseball game. And being able to do that relatively close to my house is something I haven't been able to do before this. So planning for them is a whole different story. Love the field, the stadium, the fans, the environment's just absolutely incredible. And I, I love going to games here. It's amazing. And you mentioned a little bit about it, how you got into games last year to see your friends, but did you learn the ins and outs of New Britain Stadium before you were a B? No, I, I had no idea, honestly. I mean, I've been to games back in the, when they were the Rock Cats here, but, uh, like, I, I hadn't been in the dugout and the clubhouse and, like, all of those little areas, nooks and crannies in there. So, basically, it had just been, like, in the stands, but, yeah. I just learned about it now. Well, yeah, you know it now. You're on the bees after going to games before. That's awesome. And you mentioned a little bit about your initial impressions of New Britain, but what are your initial impressions about the Futures League in general? Yeah, I mean, it's it's good competition. Like, these guys are – there are a lot of dogs in the league. Like, they got – there's a lot of D1 guys, a lot of D2, D2 guys, and still a lot of D3 guys, but – I mean, one of my teammates just hit 95 for the first time the other week, Andrew Evans. Like, there's kids that have real potential to be drafted real soon, and and there's not just a few of them. There's a lot of guys in this league that, that have a good shot. So the Futures League is stacked, and it's an extremely fun league to play in. That's what I got to say. And you talked about the competition, but outside of – not obviously, but the great players that are in this league. What has been the biggest benefit to summer ball for you so far? Yeah, it's honestly just like a chance to develop and like do my own thing at the same time. Like I've been able to lift, lift, throw all lift and throw at home and then go to the games when I pitch or just to like watch a game and be with, be with the boys. So it's been like development, just like, I've been able to do my own thing and get better without having like to constantly be at the field and like doing all these drills and stuff. It's just like, it's casual, it's free. And uh, I'd say ease of development is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And that's super important being able to have guys from, you know, everywhere be able to come up to the futures league and develop their craft. And that's, that's one of the great parts about the league. Yeah. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Back Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. 
Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Litter League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, ZorianBats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And transitioning here to your time at school, you play uh, baseball at Western New England College. What has your time like been there, and how did you end up there? What was the recruitment process like? Yeah, so I was between a few schools in that in the Commonwealth Coast Conference. Uh, I was between Western New England, Endicott, and um, uh, Roger Williams. But I chose eventually Western New England because I liked the campus and uh, – the field was really nice. I didn't get to see the fields at the other schools, but I did enjoy, I did, I, I wanted to be a business major and I wanted to go to Western New England. So that's what I wanted to do there. And uh, so coach, coach gave me a tour of the school and I met with him and I loved it. So I went there. So. And this year in the CCC, you were named second team uh, tossing 52 and a third innings and striking out 48. What did it mean to you to earn that hardware? Um, it was it was really it was it was good. I wanted to get first team, obviously. Like, I had a picture on my phone background, like photoshopped of me being first team, uh, just to like visualize it, you know. And not getting that wasn't the end the the end of the world. I feel like having that there, just like set me on pace to have a good season. So I was able to still get second team, which was great. Um, obviously still excited about it, but you know. <laughs> and gives you extra motivation to go get it next season. Yeah, exactly. So that's the goal. And how much pride do you take in playing for a division three school? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Like the, the talent level is, in division three is like, it's very wide range. You'll have, you'll have arms throwing 95, right? Like outliers throwing 95 and then it'll be 75. And then the, these guys will still both be able to get outs in the, in division three because of the vast like range of talent in the league, in the division. So honestly, like division three is like, it's like funny. People make jokes about like, oh, like our bus broke down. It's the most D3 thing in the world. Like that stuff is like builds character. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's all about building character. And you continue to have a, the opportunity to do that, build character and build rapport for D3 in the Futures League. What is it like to play in Division 3 and be able to come to a league like the Futures League and be able to not only face D3 guys, but also face D1 guys and kind of show everybody what D3 competition is all about? Yeah, it's great. I mean, like a lot of the D3 guys that come here trying to develop. So being able to like face these like tough batters from division one in the summertime makes it just as much easier in this in the fall and springtime when we go back to school. So doing that's an honor. Like I love I love facing difficult hitters and uh 
showing them that D three can still hang with the hang with the big dogs. So it's fun um, developing against like better hitters in the summertime and getting back makes it a little easier. You talked about it in the division three guys hang with division one guys. What's that say about the work ethic that happens with D three players? Yeah. I mean, the work ethic of uh, D three guys is just unmatched. You don't get anything handed to you at the D three level. Like, strength coaches, pitching coaches, all those guys just not as many schools have the money for it at the D3 level. So uh, the work ethic of the the guys, it, it's all on you to get better in the D3 level a lot of the time. So um, guys down there have crazy good work ethic and uh, it's a grind. I'll tell you that. <laughs> For sure, and it's, it makes it even more impressive when you see those Division three players step up to Division one, either transferring or post-grad year. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys that have done that in my conference so far. Yeah, and speaking of your conference, there's many guys from the Commonwealth Coast Conference that play around the Futures League. Have you noticed that so far, and is there a different mentality when you're facing those guys, especially knowing that you most likely already faced them at school? Yeah, uh, when I pitched against Norwich, um, three of the Nichols guys, Knox, Jerome, and uh, I forget, but uh, and Hyde, Brennan Hyde, but uh, great fastball hitters. I was trying to mix it up a little bit through a first pitch changeup, just slipped out of my hand. I drilled them, so it's kind of like, yeah, I guess I guess there was a different, definitely a different mentality there because I was trying to like pitch them different than I would have um yeah but those three guys great players I think those are the only three I've faced from my from my conference so far but uh yeah I got beat that's what I gotta say <laughs> so probably should have stuck to my game plan there but and when you face players that are in your conference like you said with Norwich do you have like an extra like scouting report mentally that you have from that you remember from school wall yeah, I mean, there's, like, certain guys in, in the league that I've faced before that that I know, like, I can't throw this pitch in this count to because, like, I've gotten beat before by, by some of the people in this league. And, like, I played in a different summer ball league last year, and some of the guys in that league moved down to the this league. So I have some scouting reports, yes, that I use. Um and have helped me so far. So, yeah. And you came out of the pennant school before this year, but you made eight starts. How did it feel to be part of the rotation? Uh, it was a dream. Like, <laughs> for a sophomore year, all I wanted to do was start games. Like, I was I was upset that I wasn't starting games, but I understood that it was the role that we needed to, to fill. So, I, I enjoyed my time being being out of the pen, being closing games, but uh, finally getting to start games was absolutely like, it was the best. Like I loved starting the game, being the guy and just shutting down a team for as long as I possibly could. It's just, it's just so much fun. I love it. <laughs> you uh, pitch differently when you're coming out of rotation versus coming in be to close a game either with the amount of off-speed pitches you throw or just how hard you're trying to throw it? Definitely, definitely how hard I'm trying to throw it. Like, 
coming out of the pen, like you can just let it eat for however long because you're not going to be out there for six, seven innings. But uh, so when I'm starting, I would just like, I wouldn't be a hundred percent on every single fastball, every single slider. Like I will, I will land some strikes in there at 90, 80% if I need to, just to conserve energy. You got to throw upwards of 90 pitches sometimes. So you can't be doing those all at a hundred, hundred percent. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely a difference in mentality when you're in the pen versus starting. And that especially is true when you go in to save a game, which you did five times during the 21, 21, 22 season. When you come in to save a game, do you feel the heat? How do you concentrate and stay in control for the bottom of the ninth? Yeah. um, The bottom of the ninth is the most intense part of the baseball game, which also makes it the most fun. So that right there, like the fun part of it kept me locked in. And I don't know. I, I loved having that. Like if I, if I do well, we win. And if I don't do well, we lose. Like I loved having that pressure on me. I feel like it made me better. Um, there was a couple games, like I didn't complete the save. Um, and it's honestly the worst feeling in the world, but but when it makes the wins all the better, all the saves all the better. So honestly, like top ten feelings <laughs> making a save, top ten worst feelings blowing a save. But yeah, staying cool under pressure, I would say, is just like the fun of it. It's just it's just so much fun, <laughs> honestly. But yeah. Yeah, we've talked to a number of guys this season and in past seasons who are primarily closers or have at least primarily closed in college, and and they talk about the same thing. Just, you know, there's pressure, but the one of the best things is saving game. One of the worst things is not. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very – like the disparity is different. Like it's very large, but when you finally complete the save – the boys are hyped in the dugout, come out, celebrate with you. It's just, it's euphoria. <laughs> That's awesome. And taking it even a step back further from college, from the Futures League, high school, you went to Daniel Han High School. What was your time like there? Yeah, I uh, I was a second baseman hitting about like 220. Um, good defense, but I, I could not hit. I didn't pitch either. I, I think I had like, Two innings, one time, like, our pitcher got hurt, and I just went in and threw. Um, I always had, like, a decent enough arm to pitch, but I wasn't – I played second base, not shortstop, because our shortstop uh, went to UConn out of high school. So <laughs> so I was a second baseman, um, and I did pitch a couple times, but I didn't really, like, become a pitcher till I went to school at, at Western New England, so – and when did you decide that you wanted to be a pitcher? Um, well, I uh honestly like <laughs> it kind of just like happened because I went to school and honestly thought I was going there to be a position player. I got there and my coach was like you're going to pitch for us and I was like all right. And then uh eventually I realized that I was a lot better at pitching than I was at hitting and a couple, like this was my sophomore year. 
the, I, I was a two-way for my freshman and sophomore year, and I didn't play in the field, like, at all, basically, in those two years. So I was like, all right, like, I'm a lot better at pitching. Junior year, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be a PO coach. And so that's, like, kind of how it happened. I was kind of, like, led into the decision. I didn't want to, but then again, I feel like it worked out best for me. So I'm kind of – I'm happy with my decision now, but it was a tough one to make for sure. And were there any pitchers that you idolized in the MLB? Like personally, when I wanted to be a pitcher since I was a kid and I always looked up to Clay Buckles and Tinlin to come, what is there any players that you like idolize or watch their mechanics like compared to yours that you want to be like? Yeah, so like old-time guy, I'd say Nolan Ryan. He's just an absolute beast. Um, very intimidating pitcher. Uh, throws fuzz nasty curveball gross change up like i want to have like stuff like nolan like i don't know people say he threw 108 i don't know if that's true but the point is he threw really hard but like i'd say now spencer strider because he's got the carry fastball which is like something that like i kind of had like i'm not like his obviously but i, I just like i like to model my mechanics and like pitch uh what sequencing off of him because he has a similar pitching style i would say the high fastball and then like slider change up so him and obviously and garrett cole i'm a huge yankee fan love watching cole so and we throw the same pitches so it's fun to fun to watch his sequencing as well so those three guys yeah it's great that you have those guys to look up to and guys that you said have similar pitches as you that you're able to throw and Jared final question here for you before we sign off what is your favorite all-time baseball memory wow um honestly like the like the no hitter <laughs> like 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 because my grandparent my father my grandfather and my father were there and uh it was father's day performed almost perfectly and I like honestly like that just that's tough to beat for me. So I've had a lot of baseball memories in the past, like with my dad, but that's something that like we're never going to forget. And I got yeah, that's the biggest memory I would say. That's definitely the best. Yeah, I, I figured it would be that one. I just thought I'd ask the question in a sophisticated yeah. way for you to properly answer it that way, but that's great. Jared, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with the rest of the season and the rest of your career at Western New England, man. We're rooting for you. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. And this has been Season 7, Episode 5 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.